Master Keys Podcast, Season 2, Episode 13. Yeah. How Neil you Andrino. You forgot I'm name. Neil Andrino. I'm a little tired. I had a long day. You are... Chandler Halliburton. Uh, also tired. Also a long day. But no <laughs> travel perk like you got. Every time you come back from a trip, you wear your Miami Dolphins hat. And that's because I get off the airplane and I'm sweaty, gross, and haven't had a chance to fix my three hairs. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of work to try and... To try and cover an entire scalp with 15 to 16 hairs, it's a surprisingly (laughs) difficult task. Um, So, unfortunately, did not have time to do so. Just applying, like, some extra thick (laughs) mascara. (laughs) There's, like, a special powder you can buy now, and it, like, sticks to the hairs. Oh, man. Oh, so good. Every time... All right, we're going to talk about a few things here today. We're going to catch up on the news. There's been tons of news going on from changes here in Nova Scotia to uh, the taxation on Oda Province buyers. We're going to see if that's the real deal, what it affects, what it doesn't affect. Um, The government rolling out $22 million for affordable housing is part of a larger um, fast-tracking of a number of projects across the city. Uh, Then there's a story out of of Ontario about uh, some tenants squatting in um, uh, some poor people's house and preventing them from selling the home. And then in Saskatoon, this big real estate group uh, that owned or operated over 500 properties just vanished and they're now being investigated. What's going on, Neil? You seem super excited about something on your phone. It's not super excited. I'm just kind of laughing. It's not laughing, but it's just like, here we go again. I literally opened my phone as you were talking, and the first thing is a picture of my building on the Google News oh app. Oh, my God. I wish we could zoom in. Hold on. Yeah, here. The front of the Google News app currently is a picture of my tenant and my building. Maybe he can't put his face on there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's on it. It's a news article. I suppose, yeah. He's yeah. in the news. Nowhere to go, man. Fight from Oh, man. Wait, what, what is, I didn't even read the title. What was the title? It says, Nowhere to go. That's a quote. Halifax man to fight rent eviction notice from new property owner. Halifax resident says he fears losing his home to rent eviction after new property owner building he's lived in for seven years gave him a notice. How long have you owned the building? Uh, I bought the building four months ago. Four months ago. So you gave him probably notice at that time that this was kind of going on or or, or happening? Yeah. So it's a 19 unit and we gave everyone notice that this was coming down the pipe and we're willing to pay them out. And of the 19, I think 13 or 14 have gone and taken the money. Uh, Now we're down to the last couple people. So he's one of like five people left in this building of 19? Exactly. We had to serve the, I guess you would say, rent eviction notices to three people because the other two or three are not paying rent. Right on. And, you know, as per the new rules, and this is something that's um, been in in the news here as well, um, the new legislation is that you can terminate their tenancy with three full calendar months and three months compensation. So that's presumably what you rolled out? Yeah, exactly. We gave them the the three months notice and three months compensation. We said we're willing to work with them, sorry, and help them out with anything they need. And like I said, we've been trying to give them notice way in advance. So realistically, we tried to give them seven or eight months of notice um, and... Most people took it and understood that we were trying to be of assistance and explaining that, hey, once this rule goes into act, it's going to be even harder to find affordable units. Um, so it's good to do so now. Um, but and when I say it's going to be harder to find affordable units, it's because there's going to be a wave. There's going to be a wave of people making the transition, yeah. right? And so it's just trying to beat that wave. Um, anyways, I obviously don't know any of the tenants on a personal level, but uh, I did know this was taking place because the news company called me a few times, but I opted out. Uh, just because I felt that they they are basically attacking me even on the way they, they approached me on the phone. Um, so I yeah. haven't had a chance to read the article. You seem to be skimming through there. Is there anything notable? Um, I mean, it's so funny because there's no part in here that says you're actually doing anything wrong from a rule standpoint. No, and that's not, what they came at, at me about. Like, like, when I picked up, it's like, hey, I'm Global News, and you're doing this. And I said, or you own this building? And I said, yeah. And they're like, well, you don't have this. Like, they try to get me to, like, say I did something wrong. And I'm like, no, I followed everything on the rules. Uh, if anything, I've gone above and beyond to try and make it a little easier for people. And most people accepted that and understood it. And proof is 75 yeah, yeah. to 80% of the people agreed and we worked together. Yeah. Uh, now we're down to the last 20% and it, they're, they want a battle. Yeah. So the last line of this, and this, um, it, the last line of this is a quote that says, I have no intentions of just going along with this without putting up some kind of fight. Um, which, Sounds well-intentioned, but it's basically saying, I understand that this is the rules. I understand that the landlord is doing the rules. I'm just going to not follow the rules. Follow the rules. 
um, which in his case, like in your case, if you don't follow the rules, you get fines and you get penalties and you can't do anything and you get in the news. Or if you follow I'm all following the rules, the rules I'm and still you still the get news. in the news. <laughs> uh, but he's saying, I'm not going to follow the rules. And, and, you know, this puts him out to be some sort of, you know, hero, leader. Right. Um, yeah. And he knows that he can go to the Tennessee board and basically stall. Yeah. Just stall. And why that is newsworthy. And I understand, like, the housing situation is in the news. It's newsworthy. And displacement is a real thing. But it's pretty frustrating when you wait and you follow all the legislation. There was a moratorium on this for two years. Yep. Right? Um, you know, you've given him notice, which would now be December, January, February, March, April, May, June. So eight months. Yep. Right? Um, there was a moratorium for the first five months of that. And now the notice is three months. So eight months and three months compensation. Yep. Do everything right. And you end up in the news and he knows that. So basically now he, he's not going to sign that. So you have to serve him with an uh, eviction, like yep. an actual go to the tenancy board, have a hearing, show your permits because you have them, show the work being done because it is extensive, show the fact that 75% of the rest of the building has now been vacated and go through that, which is a waste of taxpayers money to drag these things out through government services to then win. Like they will say, yeah, he's got to get out because you followed all the rules and I don't know why you're meant to be painted uh, as the bad guy in that scenario. I, I don't. Exactly. This, I, I don't understand exactly. And I also, I, he's we're, saying. We're starting off on a hot topic. This was very, this is un, unplanned. This is not it's planned at all. I literally unlocked my phone and there it was. Um, but yeah, uh, 100%. Part of that is a Google algorithm because Neil Googles himself daily. So he got, <laughs> he's got the Google <laughs> alerts on. Um, but it's, yeah, exactly. I echo everything that Chandler said. Um and it's just funny, like, it's the overall attitude that I find is is surprisingly, it's like, it doesn't even become about, like, finding a unit or anything for them. No, no, that guy has, clearly has not started looking for an No, unit, it's, yeah. it's a spite me or to try and mess up the plans to get things done. And, like, we're going to be adding more units to that building. There's a bunch of underutilized spaces um, or enormous units that only can house a few people. We're going to cut those into smaller units. So it's going to add more units to the space. And the other thing is, like, that's a, like, on, on just on, like, a technical basis, that building is extremely inefficient. Like, it's $6,000 a month to heat that thing. Like, that makes no sense. Um, oh, man, I've seen the building. There, there's yeah. no one's refuting that it needs work and it needs this reinvestment yeah. in capital. As evidenced also by the fact that the vast majority of the people in the building are like, yeah, we don't, we're not pumped about it, obviously. No one likes yeah. moving. Moving sucks. But, okay, you gave us this notice. We worked out some compensation. Yeah. Now we're leaving. And there's some people who would just would rather go this route. Yeah. And it's a shame. Like, and... Uh, and I've been in a similar situation of telling people, you don't understand, like, you need to be proactive on this because this is going to happen a little bit en masse. It's going to be very hard to find a unit. And what is the outcome you think is going to happen? Like, he does not have a case to win there, quote unquote, if there's a win situation. Following the rules that are in place. Exactly. Yeah. So he is delaying the inevitable. And sometimes there's something to be said for delaying the inevitable. However, um, it, it's it's kind of to, to, to what end? Like it, it's going to go through, it's going to happen. All it does is effectively delay you from getting the other units back on market yeah. at a time where there's a housing shortage. That's right. This is all it's going to do. It's going to cause more delay, more expense, more issue with the building. Uh, exactly. Delay more units coming back to market. It, it's what he's doing is almost perpetuating the issue. And then also just creating more headache for both him and I for really no reason. Because you know what? He's still, what he's going to get at the end, the exact same thing as he's off being offered now. Yes. So he's gonna get two minutes of fame, but yeah. And and again, I'm not trying to be hard on the guy. Like I sympathize with him, but I don't think this is. I don't think it's news either. But it's amazing, like you call the news and they just apparently answer your call and put you on air. Um, I don't know. I should just I, should I call the news as a landlord and be like, I am pulling all of the rules. <laughs> well, no, but you can't win, man. Like and, and you know, I know you, they called and you said no comment and good on you because it's so hard to bite your tongue, but. It's Especially I, when they're throwing lobs at you. It's, I couldn't believe just the stuff that they say. It's, uh, it's funny. Well, they don't know the rules either. So when they say you don't have a rent eviction permit, it's like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Right? So if let's, let's start at the beginning. If you're going to research and put a story out there, you should know that what you're talking about, right? Like that is not a thing. And I've given letters out to the tenants of the new building I've just acquired and said, hey, you know, just being up front. There's not a timeline. There's, there's not anything set in stone here. But I have bought the building. I am going to be renovating it. Yeah. What you're entitled to. Yep. Letter of the law is three months notice 
three months compensation. However, having said that, you know that, I know that, at least we know what the rules are. Contact me, let's work something out. Exactly. Right, let's work something out. And some of them were very proactive. One of them, she's going to stay in the building. She's actually going to go to a short-term rental and they're going to rent her the unit when it's done. Nice. Um, another one, he's like, yeah, I'm going to find something and you know, I'll work with him and, and I'm going to incentivize him if he leaves earlier and, and all these things, we're going to work together. Another one, same deal. They're actively looking for a spot now and, and they've got some good prospects and, uh, and all that. And so that's 50% of the building that that's been taken care of. But then I get an email from a relative of another tenant who's there. You're doing this, you're evicting them and this, but I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Right. Like I'm not sure you are and I can't discuss a tenant with you because you're not on the lease and you know, but if you have a power of attorney or, or you can represent this person, that's fine. But the person you're referring to, I've never even met them in my life or talked to them. So I can tell you certainly they haven't been evicted. Um, so, you know, there's this rush to judgment. There's this rush to, I think this is a story and people will click on this. Um, and it's so frustrating because even when you do everything right, you still get villainized. Exactly. Right. And uh, there's no there's no actual dialogue there. There's no actual Exactly. I, I, I understand where they're coming from, like you said as well. I, I get where people are coming from. I understand it's not a fun situation at any point. Um, but like you're saying, right now it just seems to be like a hot news topic and news will jump on it and people are getting the support or at least feeling like they're getting the support and so I seem to be encouraging them to keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. And part of that unfortunately is the freelance nature of journalism right now. It's like, okay, I'm freelance. I need to write a story that'll get picked up or I don't get paid. What's gonna get picked up? That, right? So someone calls you, like, cool, a paycheck just called me. So I'm going to do the story. Yeah. This is how it's going to be. And it's not to say it's not, the housing situation is not newsworthy, but at some point you have to filter, well, isn't this just the rule? As opposed to, you know, here's a violation of the rules. Because this is interesting. Let's pop to a story in Ontario. I don't know if you saw this. This made CBC. Mm. These poor people sold their home. They had a tenant in the home. And the tenant's lease was up the end of November, I believe it was maybe even early, something like the end of October, end of November. And they said, yes, just, you know, to be clear, when your lease is up, it's not being renewed, it's not being extended, it's the end of the lease, it's done. And here also additionally to that is the form that says, we have sold the home and the new owners are moving into it. Same form as we have here in Nova Scotia. When you sell your home, the new owners move in. The people just stopped paying rent. Of course, that's a classic. Stopped paying rent and refused to move out. So now the homeowners are owed over $10,000 in rent. They also have been carrying the mortgages of two homes because they have to live in their other home and now this person's not paying them rent for this. Yep. Their buyer has very kindly agreed to delay closing twice to mm-hmm. accommodate them and now is not interested in delaying a third time and is threatening legal action. They're going to be sued because this person refuses to leave the home that they are renting for and not even paying the rent for. And you think, well, there's surely there must be a tenancy board to step in and do something. Yeah. No, they're backlogged. They don't have enough staff. And, you know, they downsized a lot of their staff during COVID. Um, and they're fighting little petty battles like this individual who's like, I have a complaint here. It's like, well, even though every single rule was followed, we still have to hear your complaint for some reason. That ties up the system. So these people are going to be out, you know, if they get sued, I mean, they, they could be out 50 grand. I was going to say, they can be a 50 grand and the carrying costs could probably be more than that because if it's an Oakville, I'm sure that house was not 100 grand. And it's probably gone up 100 grand since it was sold. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just, I'm trying to be like uh, as controlled as I can on this because I get it. I feel the same as you do. I guess it's it's crazy to see, like you said, it's if we follow all the rules, if landlords follow the rules, there's all of these issues that can still take place, these delays. Uh, but as a tenant, you don't necessarily even need to follow the rules and you still somehow have strength in that in that format. Uh, and I think, like, yeah, the Oakville one's a really good way of showing it. Like, it doesn't even make sense. They own the home. They agree to lease it to somebody on a, on a short-term basis or whatever it may be. And now they need them out, and they just will not leave. Like that's And, again, they've done everything right. Yeah. First of all, like, they're not the, the big, bad, greedy landlord. Yeah. They, they, it was a basic investment that they had. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, it's just, oh, my God, everyone's making so much money. Like, they probably made a very small amount of money on it. It was a home. Yeah. Just a single-family home. A single investment. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's crazy. We Anyways, we're not going down that, that no, whole nice. path again today. Um, but... Check out Global News. Uh, I don't know. If, was my name even mentioned in the article? I don't think so. I, it actually wasn't. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. pretty good about doing that. I don't know why. Oh, they did an- mention your name? Oh, they did mention my oh. name. All right, Global News, Neil Andrino, and you can take a look at it. And yeah. uh, one thing I got to mention I thought was kind of funny is he said in there, uh, it has to be substantial renovation. 
they're not just changing a light fixture. Literally, I think the unit next to his, like you can see the wood framing stuff. Like there's nothing in there's no floors, no nothing. The decks off. Like again, kitchen's like, fully I, I, gone, I, bathrooms fully gone, plumbing's yeah. gone. And they're like, and you, and he has a permit for kitchens. This that like, yeah, yeah we have the permit. Yeah. Everything is being done correctly, and still, yeah. this is this is the situation. And so he's going to jam you up, and yeah. maybe that holds three or four units off the market for what, an extra four or five, six months. Yeah. It's not like anyone needs those units, right? Exactly. Yeah. Very frustrating. So that's what's new in your life. What else is new in your life? <laughs> You're coming from the street you own in Spryfield. Yes. Yeah, so um, I was just coming from over there. Um, I'm closing on the six unit I've talked about a thousand times. And unfortunately, we are unable to get the prime financing that I wanted done in time. Is that because Enviro or something else? Yeah, Enviro and a mixture of other things. The thing was, I was doing kind of a blanket between that and six or seven of my other properties at the same time. So it's quite a large loan mm-hmm. and it has so many moving parts that we couldn't get it to f- funded in time. So we're going to just do a private bridge in the meantime, the classic in my land. Um, and then I'm looking at another potential property in the area, uh, hopefully to, to kind of keep growing that network. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then I'm still working on these land deals. I've had a few people message me asking, like, if those fall through, let me know. Um, I'm still working on them. Obviously it's just tough. Like I've talked about with you a few times, the build costs, but on the flip side, I have another building that came up and it's 28 units or 32 units with a potential addition of 28 more units. And it's just, it's, isn't that the one we talked about? Uh, I think we had a seller remote. We both know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we we talked about that on air. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about the air. We have mm-hmm. mutual seller. Um, and it's just hard to fathom these numbers. But mm-hmm. realistically, like, and I went to a REIC lunch today where they talked about um, condos, and that's something we're going to d- dive into here later. But it, uh, he said, look, people used to say, like, these prices were insane, like, X thousand dollars a square foot. Like, you'd never be able to get that again in Toronto, blah, 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 blah. Now it's two grand a square foot there, and we're paying a thousand a square foot here. Um, so I'm just looking at these numbers being like, maybe I might look back and regret not pulling trigger. Uh, on some of this stuff, but it's always a thing of like deploying your capital in the best way possible because all yeah. these buys I think will be decent in, a lo- in enough time, but it's about trying to find the buy that makes the most sense in the short And we need to keep the cash moving. Like we're, we don't have endless supplies of money, right? Like, so it has yeah. to be something that you can get your money back out and, and get it working again. Yeah. Um, we kind of digress there. What we're also going to talk about today at length is condos, you know, to explain to what they are, doing. what's going on. Yeah, we've gotten questions about condo ownership in general, how it differs from home ownership, or what are the pros and cons of, of them as an investment, i.e. a rental property or something like that. So we are going to delve into what condos are all about. Um, in terms of other news, uh, big change here for Oda Province owners. That's someone who's bought a property in Nova Scotia but is not a resident here. They're going to pay an additional 5% on deed transfer tax, which is kind of your, your tax at your time of sale. That is huge. If you're buying a million-dollar property, you're paying an extra $50,000. Yeah, by comparison with the oh. resident uh, deed transfer tax in Halifax is, is 1.5. In other municipalities, it's 1. In others, it's 2. Because that is set by the municipality. But then the province is going to come in and take an extra 5% for non-resident uh, Oda Province uh, buyers. That's a one-time lump fee, and, and they're going to add. Yeah, they're going to add two percent ongoing uh, to your to your regular property tax. So again, on a million-dollar property, that we don't it, again a lot of the details. This is, I just came from a lunch today, and they said a lot of the details have not been ironed out. Yeah, um, it's not sure if it's going to be one point five percent, which is what we all have right now, plus the five for foreign. Um, or not. And also foreign is out of province, not just out of country. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're coming from non-Nova New Brunswick, Nova Scotia resident, not yeah. Nova Scotia, you're you have to pay that. Um, so it could be as high as six and a half percent. Yeah, or higher because some municipalities charge more than one and a half percent detransfer. Exactly. And then additionally, same with the two percent. So that's on an annual basis. So you're gonna pay, let's say on a million dollars, you're gonna pay an extra fifty grand at least. Uh plus on an annual basis, now you might pay an extra twenty thousand dollars when originally you're probably only paying ten or twelve thousand. So it's an extra like a hundred and eighty percent. Hundred and eighty percent on your annual tax and another three hundred percent on so, your purchase tax. So the thing is though, there's a couple notes. So who's exempt from this? One, it's exempt if you move to the province within the first six months. So if you are relocating, you buy a property and you know you're coming here four months from now. That's good. I like you're that. still exempt from that. I like that. Of course. Makes sense because you are going to become a Nova Scotia resident. So, you know, you're buying a home to move here. It's also exempt if you rent the property to Nova Scotians for 12 months. So it doesn't affect people who are moving here, obviously. It doesn't affect landlords who are renting to Nova Scotians because obviously if you had a property here, who else are you going to rent it to other than Nova Scotians? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then it raises the question, who the heck does this actually impact? And it's second property owners. It's, it's cottage owners. It's, it's vacation owners. It, it's someone who 
you know, is based in Ontario, but has a cottage in Kentville or in Chester. And if I'm one of those secondary markets that, you know, was hammered by COVID or was hammered when the whole EU situation, the economy dropped off over there and all these restaurants in Chester and Mahone Bay really struggled, all these tourist locations, they do rely on that money significantly. Um, There's a reason you go around there and you see these uh, flags and people from other provinces. Um, I don't really know why we're trying to pick a battle with usually older people who have cottages in secondary markets in Nova Scotia. I don't know why that's the battle we're picking. And they're great people to have here. Like they're going to come here and they're going to spend money. Oh, they do money. spend money. They come and they buy everything. They go to all the little stores. They support all the local businesses. Like that's their whole play. Like we're here to eat the local restaurants and buy all the local stuff and just yeah. drive around and explore all the touristy stuff. Like, yeah. So why are we targeting them? And the only thing I can deduce from it is either there's more to come from this and this is going to get clarified or maybe this just is one of those things that you do because it sounds good and actually does nothing. It's a political thing. It's a political move all day. Yeah. The other thing being is like this is across Nova Scotia, I think was 2% of homes are sold to out of province buyers on average. And But in HRM... That, that, that aren't going to be residents here, yeah. Yeah, HRM, it's around 2.5% of sales are out of province buyers, which again, a lot of them are going to be rentals and stuff like that. And like we said, those are exempt. So realistically they're really going to get nothing out of HRM. The places that it actually happens is Cape Breton. Cape Breton, I think 14% of sales are out-of-province buyers. So this is a place that has been... So Shore would be very high as well. So Valley would be creeping up there. Yeah. And so these are places that have been historically, I don't want to say dying, but not doing well, like not not yeah. growing immensely. And now this is just like, another, like you said, another nail in their coffin of like, if I was coming here, I now I'm going to get slapped with that. Why wouldn't I look at PEI like yeah. instead? Like, why would I be like, yeah, sure, I'm going to get hellbent to go to to CB instead, unless there's a specific reason? And like, yeah, they were saying um, the the golf courses up there, all those golf courses was Cabot Cliffs. They did a full condo project. I think only like two of the like 46 were sold to local people. All those people are going to get hammered on their taxes. Now. Yeah, and even even now it's not even like oh well they already own so they have to pay the five percent. Well now they're going to have to pay another. They're literally their their annual property taxes went up by one hundred eighty percent. Yeah, so it's like what like, I don't know yeah, exactly. I don't know exactly. I, the only thing it, I can get is, is it is basically moves. it is a um, it is a publicity stunt yeah. because we're saying well why would you want to tax these wealthy people who come here and spend money? Everyone else is like I'm going to stop you where you said wealthy tax them. That's what it is. That's what it is. And pe- people resent that some people can have a second property. People resent that people come here just for cottage in the summer, and they think that that's driving up the, pr- the cost of those homes. I would argue that, you know, the money they're injecting into the local economy actually helps the local people afford housing more. Exactly. I was going to say, Chester wouldn't float if they didn't have all those waterfront homes paying the absurd tax rates and spending all the money to keep that go those going. Ar- go to those areas in the winter. Tell me if anything's open. Exactly. I was going to say, like, now, now they've done this. They've turned people away, so they've impacted those... It doesn't just free up a bunch of housing. Like there's not like, like, oh, sweet. All these million dollar waterfront cottages now are on market. Housing crisis has been solved. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a very loud anvil for like a tiny little thumbnail issue. That's arguably not an issue. And when I think of these, I think of clients who uh, I'm working with right now who are purchasing um, a property and they're not moving here yet, but they're purchasing it to be closer to their kids and grandkids. Mm-hmm. They're not going to move here. Uh, and they thought like, okay, maybe for a while you guys use it as a cottage and we'll move there next year. It's like, no, no, they would be getting hammered on tax in the meantime if they did that. And that's a very normal family thing to do, right? Let's buy this property now. You know, you guys use this cottage. We're going to finish our, our retirement here. Then we've got to sell our home. We'll be there in 12, 18, 24 months. Yeah. Um, not anymore. You're not. We don't. We don't like you. I'm going to give another one. This was an example that I heard today um, from Pat Cassidy, a lawyer. He's a prominent lawyer, Cox and Palmer. He does a lot of condo work, and he mentioned for him the way he looked at it is because he his kids went to school all over. I guess the world sound like, uh, and he liked to be one to buy like a condo or a home in those areas for them to stay in, and they could rent a few of the rooms with their friends. And he was like, if this had come in, and I was bringing my family to Halifax instead of buying a condo. I would have just gone and found an apartment to rent. And he said, it's so competitive here. I would have gone to the landlord and been like, okay, rent's 2100 I'll give you 2600 Yeah. Right? He's like, it's just, yeah. just going to perpetuate the issue of unaffordable rents. And the, yeah. he's like, it's just going to continue to actually steal housing from local people on that front. Like downtown, he said, it's, it's going to yeah, just perpetuate the issue. 
Yeah. So we don't really know why that happened, but some people are like, heck yeah. Um, <laughs> then on a, on a positive note, a, well, this is a bit of a, a matter of contention too. Um, there's a bunch of, so planning is handled at the municipal level. What that means is your town, your city handles the planning, the real estate planning of your community. Um, there's been a lot of critique, rightly or wrongly, that the municipalities move too slow, specifically Halifax moves too slow. And the reason they move slow is because you have to consult the public and have hearings and have meetings and have review. Mm-hmm. And as a developer, yeah, it's kind of annoying sometimes. Um, however, it is the process. It is community-focused. Yeah, but it, it's community engagement. That is what municipal politics are all about. The government has said, the provincial government has said, we're going to take over this process effectively because we think it's going too slow. We hear that it's moving too slow. Uh, we're not from Halifax. The, the house minister, not from Halifax. Uh, Premier, not from Halifax. But we know best, and we're going to take over some of these major sites and just fast-track them. And, you know, part of me likes it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But um, at the municipal level, you're taking out the public consultation on some pretty highly contested areas. These are pretty places. Large scale developments, too. Oh, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of units, some of which are around like wetlands mm-hmm. and existing green spaces, um, environmentally significant areas, if nothing else, mm-hmm. right? So those have been fast tracked, which some people are in favor of, some people are against, but they have announced $22 million um, as part of the, uh, one of these projects that's going to go to affordable units. And they say that's going to be generating approximately 340 affordable units within a development of, I think, something like 5,000 overall units mm-hmm. or 1,500. I can't remember. It's, it's a massive project. So $22 million is going towards that. And someone was like, that seems like excellent value based on the numbers. Like, you're pumping out these units for... I don't know what the math is on that. Well, 70,000. Yeah, 70 well, grand. Some, something really low. But what it actually is, is they're going to give that, presumably in some sort of forgivable loan or some contribution to infrastructure to help bear the cost of those 300 and some units. And in turn, they are going to be rented at 60 to 80% of market. So hopefully also, achieving that deeply affordable, but. So hopefully <laughs> what, they're, what they're saying is that, you know, that sounds really good. 60 to 80% of what the market rent could be. That's what those units are going to be rented for. And in exchange, the developer gets 22 million bucks. Um, one thing though, is the area where those are now, and you know, the area that, that they're now, yep. the current market rent for that area for one bedroom might be 900 bucks. Yeah. As soon as they build 1500 brand new units. Yeah. Market rent's going to be double that. What's the market rent going to be for that area for like, one bedroom there? Like 1700. Maybe not that high. Yeah, I'd say it's but you know what I mean. yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, that sixty to eighty percent of the market rent, which right now sounds like six hundred or eight hundred bucks, yeah, is actually going to be more like I don't know, thousand bucks, thousand eleven hundred, yeah. which is still progress. It's good, but um, so there's a lot of things, genuine strides, um, you know, trying to be made. They also said they're hoping the first unit will be available by the fall. How's that? What? How? No, no way. They're, 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 yeah, it's not. That's not a thing. But, but they said, yeah, we're flip a mobile home in there and park it on the ground. They said they, uh, they tried to do that for the affordable temporary housing, <laughs> and they're still not finished. <laughs> so they're, they're not going to come by the fall. Anyone who's super pumped about like, oh my gosh, I'm not even fall next year. Not even fall next year. Yeah, there's but, no chance. Uh, and then lastly, there was this group out in Saskatoon. We're bun- bouncing around. We got tons of news and stuff going on here, but this is all interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, there was this real estate group that was. Um, marketing out there and saying like, hey, you can invest in these projects and you can say 50 to 500 grand you can give out to people who are going to flip these properties in Saskatoon. And then you we can also, we'll be the managers for these properties. And in turn, you can also sell the properties uh, to the next investor and so on. Kind of a big real estate community that quickly purchased I think it was 504 Five. properties worth combined, $126 million, mm-hmm. primarily in the Saskatoon area. And so if Neil wanted to invest fifty to $500,000, you could inject that money. You say that it's going to, you're told that it's going to generate you a 15% rate of return. It goes to me, who's a flipper. I flip the property and either I sell it and, you know, that's great. You're making your interest either way. Yeah. Um, and I've done my project or it's put into a rental pool and it's managed by the people who set up this fund. Mm -hmm. And then even they can sell that uh, managed product to another one of their investors. So it's kind of this incestuous web of people, but it all sounds 
Legit. It keeps the money moving, yeah. Um, and it's collapsed. And as a result, a lot of people are out a lot of money because investors were poning up anywhere between fifty and 500000 They were guaranteed a rate of return, but they're now looking into it, and the only way they were being paid off was by new people coming on board pyramid and investing scheme. their money. A, it sounds a little bit like a pyramid scheme. And upwards of 60% of the units were vacant. Um, oh. Oh, so it's a legit pyramid scheme. Like It wasn't even they were trying to make this thing work. I guess the two founders, they went on a Zoom call like last week and were like, it's done. We're ruined. It's bankrupt. <laughs> Everything is gone. And I'm sure they've got their reasoning. But they were also collecting management fees, managing the whole the whole thing. So it's going to... I mean, that's a lot of properties in, in an area and an area that's been a little bit of a distressed market. You know, the owners still own the properties, those that own them, but the investors are owed a lot of money and some owners, depending on their situation, they may be in a tenuous situation because um, they perhaps have leveraged products for properties that they're now going to take ownership of. I mean, like, oh, these aren't worth what we thought and there's no tenants and all these things. Yeah. But they're also going to get in hot water because they were issuing promissory notes. So oh. promissory note is not a registered mortgage. And this is a, a whole other topic, but these people who are investing... <laughs> this is a Patreon topic. Well, people were investing 50 to 500 grand and not even being on title. So when things disappear, oh, no. you get a whole lot of nothing. Oh, um, so no. that's huge news. Anyone out in Saskatoon, if you hear this, let us know what that's you like out there. Never make your first or any investment in property without actually being on title or having a registered mortgage of some yeah. sorts. Promissory notes, you'll hear them. Some guys will try and push them on you. And they can have some merit, but you really need to trust the other person. And even if you then, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because you can trust them with your life. But when it's a couple hundred grand, they'll forget you the next day if it's a promissory note. And yeah. you're going to have to then chase them down. Yeah. And you have nothing to go after. Whereas if you're a registered mortgage, you can take back the property or try and put a lien on the property and, and make something happen there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into promissory notes at some point because they do they do have merit uh, and they, they can work. And I know lots of people have used them to get through. Um, but honestly, banks don't like them. People don't like them in general. Well, it's sketchy. The, the whole nature of promissory notes is bank often don't see them. Exactly. Because right? they're not registered on title. All right. So we're going to get into condos now. There's lots of crazy stuff. Every time you go away, something crazy happens. You went away once, I think like... Can't remember what happened. I think the first time you went away, you were in the news and like rent control, something not happened. That's when rent controls first happened. Next time you're away, uh, Russia you invaded Ukraine. Yeah. This time you're away, Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. <laughs> like every time you go away, <laughs> things just go uh, wild. But I think gonna, that was fake. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I know we don't yeah, talk. This isn't a thing. Fake. I'm telling you, it is. Man. I don't it's know about that. Will Smith was everywhere. I got on the airplane and his face was on the front of the friggin'. Not Screen. in a good way, Neil. That's like saying you're everywhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> all news is good news. Oh, all press is good press. Uh, all right. Condos. Before go. we get into yes, condos, go. I want to talk about the condos that I actually may buy while I was in. So I went to Costa Rica um, and I stayed in a condo community. I stayed in a hotel within the condo community. And I thought this was very cool. I'm not super experienced with these and I hadn't seen a lot of them, but this was a master plan community. Um, the developer had bought 1,200 acres on the water. And they planned out this whole community as like a walking community. And they're all, all the houses have to meet a certain architectural standards. So they have three architects on it. And Is Neil trying to sell us a timeshare? Just wait. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Um, it's a pyramid scheme. No, and so I'm not actually trying to sell anyone on this. Um, I might, I might actually buy one. Um, but, and it's, it's a very kind of unique thing. Cause it's been happening for a long time. They bought the land in 2006. They went through the whole process. They started construction in like 2015, 2017 range. People started taking occupancy and they're doing it in phases. I think it's three or four phases. They've done the first phase now. They're starting the second and third. But I just thought it was really unique because Costa Rica is big on like green energy. They're like 98% yeah. renewable, yep. like ton of wind, ton one of like One of their biggest um, economic drivers is that they sell carbon credits to other countries because they're that ahead of the game on, on carbon footprinting. Yeah. Exactly. They're super on it. They have huge taxes on fuel and things like that. Um, their energy is quite costly because of this as well. Um, but they're very proud of it. And the entire local community is very proud of it. And they're happy to be a part of it. Um, and so this master plan community that they've created on the ocean, as much as it's a luxury thing, they've also made it so it's like all about health and being green. So like all the restaurants only predominantly sell healthier style foods. Even the little grocery store within the community sells like there was no real junk food aisle. Like they had like two or three types of things. Co Costa Rica has like the highest average life expectancy of every, anywhere in the world. And like the most people over a hundred years old, uh, like per capita anywhere. I didn't, very healthy. Costa Rica is the, probably the best country in the world. I, <laughs> I love Costa Rica. I, I couldn't, I didn't realize any of this yeah. when I went down there. And so like no I'm standing army free post-secondary education. 
Yeah, Coastal free healthcare. At, free healthcare. You can't own the beach. So even a development like that, it's still public beach. It's a public beach. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so this this whole community is going to be a walking community. We got to get a sponsorship from Costa Rican tourism. <laughs> I just, I just, Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it. They, they it's, it's so it's really neat. So you pull up and like they valet your car. Basically you park, they value your car. They take your stuff. They'll carry your stuff to your, your house, your condo, wherever it is. But you literally walk up to your place and it could be like a couple hundred meters from where the valet sh- shuttle is. Yeah. And you go in, you get your steps in, you get your steps in. Everything's all powered by heat pumps. Um, but it's just a really nice community and they had a bunch of different stuff. Like I said, for health, like all the food that's sold there is predominantly healthier style foods, all the restaurants are like bowls and things like that. Uh, even the grocery store, like it only had maybe three or four different types of chips. Like they didn't like, I'm used to the chip aisle here where you walk in and it's like, like, okay, okay. Like 400 options. And then there's all these other types of like cookies. There's like 400 cookies. They had one or Oreos. Oreos has the monopoly in Costa Rica and that's the only one they sell. Um, and it was just not so it was really fun to kind of be there and it was just like a kind of quiet peaceful place um and so anyways i'm interested in it. if i get into investing in it, I'll, I'll kind of explain it all out the one bad thing about it for that the investing there was they don't have local banks that are interested in financing scotia banks big in costa rica though and people outside of there but scotia bank i saw their signs around yep. so i'm going to try and contact them and have that conversation yeah um but they said in general that they've been struggling to get financing for people on these kind of these opportunities so, but it, it was just super neat. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. It was kind of a relaxation time. And uh, I just want to say, because we're going to talk about condos and this whole entire community is condoed. And it was just, I don't think we see a lot of like, after coming back, I'm like, man, I'd love to do a master plan community here, like slightly outside of town, do all condos and offer some really neat perks. And like maybe for an older generation, like we were talking about Windsor. You see this with these golf course communities, right? This is yeah. what they're trying to do. And, and some of these ski resort communities. Yeah, I think there's demand for it. Um, but this brings about the question, and, and this is a good place to start, is what is a condo? Because a lot of people think of a condo as being an apartment. So, like, okay, it's an apartment that you own. And no, no, like it's it, a condo corporation is, well, it's a corporation and an ownership structure whereby a corporation owns something, an asset. Yep. It may be a building, but it also could be a marina. It could be a piece of land. It it's could pre- be. Probably the land is what they own, yeah. Exactly. And you as a shareholder in the corp, you own one share. Yeah. And that share entitles you to exclusive rights to a, a unit. A space. Yeah. So when you buy into a condo corp, there's this idea that you are buying the physical unit, but you are actually buying one share in the condo corp, which entitles you to exclusive use of that unit. So in a practical standpoint, oftentimes I'm telling tenants, well, effectively you own the right to occupy this space <laughs> and you own the elements from the paint and the floor inward. That's yep. what you own. You do not own the walls. You don't own what's in the walls. You don't own the outside of the glass. You own the inside of that space. And, and more rightly, you just own the exclusive right to that space. Yeah. And it's a kind of a, it, it was a late thing here. Like we didn't have a lot of condos, but the condo market now is on fire here. I don't know what you're seeing, but yeah. So Exactly. I think, I think so that that's exactly it. But again, again, you can think outside of buildings like there's, it doesn't always have to be that, that setup. You can also have things like condos, which are over, I guess I call bare land and yeah. there can be houses on there and you would own that entire home. You don't own the land that it sits on, but you would own that entire house and you can be responsible for that whole house and get all the benefits of having that house. Plus the benefits of things that are covered by the condo, like your lawn might get mowed, your driveway might get shoveled. There might be some common elements that are shared. Um, like actually in this case for this place, there was a beach club and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you yep. get these common elements that are shared, uh, which can be beneficial because sometimes you don't always want to have to maintain your pool and this and that, but there's one right across the street that you can use when you do want to. Um, and you only pay 50 bucks a month for it versus 500 to heat it when it was your own. Yeah. Um, so that, that's another way to look at it. But yeah, to regarding the idea that the condo market's heating up 1000%. And I think it's a simple idea of like pricing. Like when you look at the fact that before it didn't really make sense to necessarily go out and buy a five hundred thousand dollar condo here because for that same price you go out and buy a full size home. Yeah, or even less in some cases. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And now it's like okay, I let's say I, w- I want to buy a house downtown or somewhere on the peninsula of Halifax. Basically, I need to spend around a million bucks now to do it, but I can buy a condo for five hundred grand. I'm like, okay, that kind of makes more sense. Effectively, it's not even makes more sense. I may not have the opportunity to buy that house, so I have to buy the condos yeah. if I want that location. And so people are starting to I think make that transition towards it. 
Uh, and it's it's really starting to ignite things. And it's exciting, too, because it's also going to help us to create more units because people are going to see the incentive to actually build condos again now that the pricing is getting to a point that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole point of a condo is to live in a location and have a lifestyle that you could not otherwise have, right? There are no houses with backyards available on Central Park in New York, right? So they are condo buildings. If you want to live in that location, that's your your option. And there's obviously planning advantages to that and and, and so forth. Um, but just getting down to, to brass tacks, once you own that share of the condo corporation, you've got exclusive rights to your area, which is your apartment, exclusive rights to your balcony, even though you do not own that balcony and you're not responsible for maintaining it, and say exclusive rights to a parking spot. Right? These are the things that, that you own. The thing that people are always worried about is like, oh, well, gosh, but there's all these condo fees. Yeah. How are you explaining condo fees to buyers out there? I think, I think the first thing I always open with as a reminder yeah, there's no condo fee when you own a house, but you're also not blowing out all the maintenance expenses that you're going to face. And you're like, yeah, well, I don't have to pay $100 a month for maintenance. You don't, but when in 20 years when you have to do your roof, your siding, and your windows, and that costs $100,000, which is not excessive. That's really not. Like a house, average house would probably have 20, 25 windows. So that's $25,000 right there. A roof's going to cost you 10, 15 grand on a normal size house at least. Uh, and siding's going to cost you 30 grand on a normal size house at least. Um, and that's not fancy siding. That'd be like a basic vinyl. Um, so that, what's that 55, that's 70, 70 grand. So if you amortize that over the, the 20 year lifespan that it has, that's 3,500 bucks a year. That's already $300 a month. So yeah. And a lot of condos include things like lawn maintenance, a gym facility, uh, your water, pool. sometimes your heating, right? So a lot of it depends on what you get for those condo fees. The challenge is your, and I think this is kind of unfair when you buy a house and you get, you're seeking your pre-approval, they don't really care about your utility cost. No. You know, or your maintenance costs. They approve you like, oh, cool, you're good for you're good for five hundred grand. Yeah. When you're buying a condo, they say, okay, well, show us the condo fee, and they add it in there for your approval. So you might, if you're approved for a five hundred thousand dollar home purchase, you might only be approved for like a four hundred and seventy thousand dollar condo purchase. Which, for the reason you mentioned, Doesn't is kind of counterintuitive because yeah. at least in the condo situation, you know the owner is being forced to save towards these maintenance items. I was going to say it's probably almost better in the condo because they're more likely to be prepared to make the they covers costs totally. usually covered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Can you imagine if everyone was required to pay an annual fee to maintain their homes, how much better shape all the homes would be in? On, on completely inside, there is actually some companies that are starting now. I think they started here for a bit. I don't know if they stayed around with like home yeah, keepers. Yeah, around home. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of makes sense. Like you pay like a five fee of 350 bucks a month and they every year they clean your gutters. They clean all the filters in your house. They mow your lawn. They yeah. pressure wash the house once a year. They shovel your snow. And it's actually like a full round package. And like, hey, you know what? That's not that much more than what a lawn mowing package would be. Mm-hmm. Now you just pay it monthly every every single month and it covers everything. But yeah. that's an aside. But yeah, so that that's like the first thing I explain with condo fees is you, you have maintenance with the house. Everyone seems to kind of negate to remember that. The next thing is really there's only a few places that you find the condo fees are blown out of this world. And then you got to look into why. Yep. And if kind of it's like, okay, so we're replenishing the reserve fund because there's some issues with it and eventually that's intended to go down. I don't like basing on that or being hoping that it's going to go down. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Because nothing never ri- usually goes down. Nothing but. usually goes down. But I think usually once I say that and then you look at what also is included, like you said, the water, potentially heat, mm-hmm. um, the other items, some of the common elements. And like here we have basic common elements like uh, pools and like what else were you thinking that we have here? Gyms for Gyms. sure. Reading rooms. Reading uh, rooms. Sometimes a car wash area. I've seen dog wash areas, um, shared uh, patio space on the roof. Beautiful uh, patio Entertainment places. rooms, guest suites if you want to have a guest over. You know, yeah. they can rent the suite at a reduced rate. All of these, these things and you're paying for those amenities. So it's not like it's a completely, you know, silly lost cost. Normal house wouldn't necessarily have them either. No, I don't think many houses movie come theaters. over a personal gym and movie theater. And a, I've yeah, seen yeah. golf simulators now too. Yeah. So there's definitely merit to those condo fees. And sometimes you'll see this in virtual relationship where if a building has higher condo fees for some reason, the actual sticker price of the units stay lower so that it kind of works out being a net neutral. Yeah. The question is why those condo, condo fees are, are higher. But the other thing I hear with people is they're always concerned about the big unexpected bill. And those are called special assessments. Mm. And... Again, I can't stress enough, like when you become a condo owner in a corp, you effectively have one voting, you know, voice. Yeah. And each individual owner has a vote based on their unit. Yeah. Right. So any decisions that are made are made collectively. It's a democratic process. Everyone votes on, on things. Part of your requirement as a condo corp is to every couple of years, get an engineer to go through that building from top to bottom and say, hey, 
this is what's going on here. You need to plan for that roof in 15 years. You need to plan for these decks in 10 years. You need to do these windows in the next two years. You're also telling us you want to make the entryway a little bit nicer. You want to update the hallways. You want to change the sofa. Forecasting. You know, and based on those forecasted numbers, we reverse engineer what the condo fees will be. And usually the condo fees are based on a per square foot basis. So if my unit is 700 square feet, someone else's 1,000, they're going to spend more on their condo fees. There are some older buildings where it's just a flat rate based on the unit. But most times they're, they're based on a, on a square footage basis. So this, when a, a special assessment happens, that's when the engineer comes back and says, hey, guys, we got a little problem here. You know, your roof's you falling know, off. Your, your soap facade is leaking. Yeah. We need to address this now. Um, we've got money in the reserve account, right? So your, your corp is run like a business. So it's got savings. It's got revenue coming in. It's got planned bills and expenses. And every year they should have hopefully a surplus, which then goes into the reserve fund. So say something comes up and it's not unrealistic on a large building that it's going to cost 500,000 bucks, right? That's a totally reasonable number. Um, So, okay, we've got 1.2 in the reserve fund. If we want, we can take all this money out of our reserve fund and write a check for this sucker today. That's a little scary because we'd be taking almost half of our reserve. Yeah. That's option number one. Option number two is we can finance this work. You know, we get a loan for the $500,000 and we, you know, pay that off just like we would pay off a mortgage and we all share it. But if we're all going to share it, it's got to come from somewhere. So let's increase our condo fees. Exactly. Last item is like, okay, it's $500,000. There's 50 of us. That's 10 grand a pop. Do we all just want to write a check for 10 grand and we don't touch the reserve fund and we don't touch our our condo fees? And that's the special assessment. It's when everyone's voted and we said, no, one time lump sum sum. Let's eat this, get it over with. And you may not like the result, but you do have a vote in that process. And it's not arbitrary. It's it's the result of hiring an engineer and them saying, you guys need to address this or you're going to have problems down the road. And it's usually 80% of the people have to be on board. Like it's not like a 50-50 thing. It's like pretty much everybody has to be on board. Yeah. Like save a few people and that would be it. That wouldn't necessarily be 100% on. Um, and even though special assessments, sometimes they come up with options for your payment terms and all that True. to help you out. And usually it's not something that comes up the next day. Yeah. They're not like, we're going to kick you out now cause you didn't pay. It's like, no, like we'll work with you. It can be a little sad though. Like, I mean, there's some buildings you see, I think in every city where sometimes things like this come up, the engineer finds, I think there's one going on by the commons where like literally the whole facade needs to be redone and it's way more money than the reserve fund has. And the special assessment for everybody would also be quite high. Mm -hmm. And so it's turned into quite a big legal battle and it's caused the values of those condos to be stagnant. Totally. Um, So there, there is risks associated with it. Um, but in general, I mean, that that can happen with anything. You can also get a house where you have a major, major issue and you have to face some, some sort of yeah. fixing it. Yeah. Right? The insurance is It's not like buying a home is, is that necessarily more secure than, than buying a condo. There was just, there was a lot of condos built very quickly in markets across Canada and they had some, you know, construction issues and then people that made the news. Right. And so as soon as something makes the news, people think it's a rampant problem. There haven't been that many instances, but they, they certainly do come up. Um, you know what yeah. I found interesting? So today, I, like I said, I went to an REIC uh, condo lunch and learn, and it was basically, one of our more prominent lawyers who's done, I think, almost every single condo corp in this city. Yeah, they call him the condo king. The condo king, uh, Pat Cassidy. And he had lots to say, which was awesome. And he he mentioned, it was kind of weird, we were talking about condo fees, and Embassy Towers is, is a set of towers we have here downtown, and they have very, very high condo fees, probably roughly like a dollar a square foot per month almost. Like Oh, yeah, a thousand bucks. About a thousand more, bucks yeah. a month for a thousand square foot unit, just yeah. in condo fees. Um, they do include heat, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other building being Coburg place, same deal. Like they have probably around 70 cents a square foot sort of deal. Yeah. Um, and it's same thing. And he mentioned that both of those were actually originally apartments that were converted to condos. Ah, uh, so that was kind of neat. That, that is really interesting. And back in the day, they didn't have as big reserve fund requirements for the condos. So you used to be like, all right, let's just turn her into a condo corp and let's start day one with zero money in the bank account. Yeah. Uh, I'm exaggerating a bit there, but now they have to put a lot of money in that reserve account from the outset. So that's the, the money that the developer has to set aside. And then oftentimes when they sell the units new, the, the brand new owner has to make a one-time significant installment. Maybe it's like 1500 bucks. It's not insignificant though to the reserve fund. The challenge is all these things that we're talking about, your motivation as a voter in your condo corp and what you want to see happen um, may not align with what other owners want. You know, you may not like walking into that tacky entryway and say, we got to spend $5,000 to make this entryway look a little bit nicer. For yeah. other people, that might not be a priority. So um, 
there are instances when you're looking at a condo corp, you want to say, all right, what renovations have been done to this building recently? What is the demographic of this building in terms of age, for example? Because, you know, p- different people in different parts of their life prioritize different things. How many people in here are renting versus owning? Because renters, they're not going to, they don't have a vote in, in the in the condo corp rules. But additionally, the person who does have a vote would be a landlord who does not live there. And is a landlord ever going to really vote no. to improve the common area? Yeah. Probably not. Not if it's an additional cost. Right? They, they, they don't live there. So looking into things like, all right, how big is the reserve fund for this condo corp? When was it built? Because sometimes, you know, a building that's very old might have more maintenance, but it also might have a way bigger reserve fund from years and years of saving. Uh, how many people are in the building? Because you may not like a big building with 70 units, but it's more people paying into the reserve fund. Yep. Um, how many renters are there in the building? You know, what things have been done recently that we know aren't going to have to be done in the near future? All these things go into your decision-making about uh, about a condo purchase. couple asterisks I'm going to put out there just on this too is under 10 units, they don't have to meet minimum requirements for the reserve funds. So you'll sometimes And they can see, be self-managed more likely, which can be a very... And they can be self-managed. Thing. So you'll see sometimes, not a lot, but you'll see like a house. You find it predominantly in the downtown areas. A house, they'll be kind of like four condos. Mm-hmm. And they sell yeah. fairly cheap and the condo fees are kind of cheap. Yeah, because you have four people who are like, I don't know, let's just kind of keep it how it is and keep it low. And they just kind of run it. And there you really run a risk of a special assessment because if the roof comes up and the roof has to be done, you guys have to then just all shell out. And there's only four of you. And there's only four of you. So if it's a big, it might be a big house, like if if it's four condos. It could be a $40,000 rolled bitumen roof on a small place. Exactly. So then you each have to shell out the 10 grand. So that's something to consider there. Um, Additionally, for these bigger places, when they're brand new, uh, a lot of people like to say they like to wait three to five years because the building will iron out a lot of its kinks, which is true. There's When you build a building that big, it's never just perfect. Even if the developers built a hundred buildings, something's going to come up. It's just yeah. part of it. There's a million sub trades involved. There's a million pieces. Things are going to leak. Things are going to break. Things are going to have to change, even with the best planning and, and processes in, in place. Um, so a lot of people like to say, okay, I'm going to wait a few years to do it. The other thing to consider, and I found this out today, is that reserve fund, the requirement, the amount that gets told that needs to be made within that first uh, to get the building going, the developer has to set aside, has to be accomplished within the first five years. So like you're saying, a lot of times a developer will say, probably they'll they'll contribute a portion at first, then they'll contribute a portion from the sale of a condo, plus they'll get that person who bought the condo to contribute a portion. So yep. sometimes it's worthwhile maybe waiting the five years to see that take place and making sure that the, the reserve fund is operating and, and healthy, and then looking at buying into it. Also, almost always the developer has a clause in there that says they're the property manager for the first two to five years. Exactly. And as the property manager, you know, they can kind of direct how some of these funds are, are uh, contributed after the fact. Exactly. Um, and I would say, let's go over the cons. What would you say are like the top three negatives when you're buying a condo versus, let's say, a home? Uh, I mean, the sense of autonomy, you know, where like you have limitations. You can do renovations to your unit, but if you do anything that's non, that's not superficial, right, like taking out a wall mm-hmm. potentially, like that's not a given. You have to talk to your condo corp, you moving know, because plumbing. yeah, you, you might be moving plumbing that affects the unit above you. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that kind of autonomy of space. Some unpredictability with respect to um, who else is going to be in your building and what the cultural, you know, social dynamic of your building is. Yeah. Right. And so you and I know it because we're in a lot of buildings and I've been in situations where I've got like a young person who's 28 years old and we're in a building. I'm like, just so you know, you're going to be the youngest person here by 30 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, is this going to be a fit for you? Maybe you want a nice quiet building. Cool. Here you are. But like, this is going to be, you want a jam sesh. This might not be the spot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, other cons. I mean, I don't really see, I guess here locally, the condo market has been a bit soft. Uh, it hasn't been as robust to to, to single family homes. So those would be kind of my three little cons. I think the last item is changing. The condo market here is now very strong. Uh, I think with a little bit of due diligence, you can, um, understand the dynamic of a building and and see if it's a fit for you. Uh, and then, you know, not having that autonomy, not having your own yard that you can do what you want on it. You know, that's just a lifestyle thing that you are choosing and you're trading off the convenience, um, uh, of it. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Um, what about from a rental perspective? Well, that's what I say, get asked this all the time. I'm going to give, I'm going to give my three real quick. And I think the first one is the rental side of things. And I, cause I'm looking at purely as an investor. I think you're saying it as a personal purchase. I'm saying it as an investor, um, the rental perspective, there are rules and they are created by that board and yep. they can change. And so you might go in there. I, I don't think there's any of them that don't allow for long-term rentals, but there are 
predominantly actually almost all of them don't allow for short term. It's usually a month yeah. or more. It's it, Some of them are now kind of up to 90 days. And then some Conocorps recently have been set up with the specific marketing component that they allow short term rentals. Exactly. So exactly. some have leaned in the opposite direction and said, wait a second, our units will be worth more if we allow short-term rentals. Exactly. There's an idea of hopefully selling to investors to allow them to do things. Because what happened, I think, is a lot of people started Airbnb and they're like, well, these are basically hotel rooms. You can get very high rates in Airbnb. Yeah. And it allows them to not have to worry about common area elements, which are big and, and security and entrance can all be handled easily remotely. So it made sense to use condos for Airbnb. And so that trend <laughs> rapidly grew and then rapidly was shut down as every single yep. condo instantly slapped in rules against it, against short-term rentals. Um, so that that aspect I don't love, um, and I feel like you can take a lot of heat. A lot of my clients who own condos and rent them tend to take a little bit more heat from the rest of the members on the board, knowing that they're renting them. Yeah. Um, so there's, I say that that's one thing um, that would definitely kind of bug me. The other thing to consider, like if you're like flipping condos, it's hard sometimes. Like if you go into a building that's got seventy units, there's likely yeah. twenty that are identical to yours, and so you can't go in there and and first of all, it's hard to get a deal because. Everybody standardized knows. product, man. We yeah. talked about this before. Standardized product. Standardized yeah. product. So everyone knows like, hey, well, my neighbor's sold for three fifty nine, and he has the identical unit down to the square footage, down to the features, down to the layout, down to everything. I have a slightly different view, so I want extra five grand, or I'm up one floor, I want five grand more. Um, and then once you get it and you go through the whole process of renovating, it's hard for you to say that your condo is now worth 600 when the other 20 that are identical sold for 400 The flip side of that is that when you know when you're doing a renovation, you're not doing anything structural mechanical. Right, like so, your actual your your renovation cost can be really low because you're doing facelifts, Um, and you could know what you're shooting for too. Yeah, yeah, and the advantage, I guess, from a rental perspective is if you want to be the most hands off landlord ever, buy a condo and toss a tenant in there because if they call about something, you say this is the number of the super. Yeah, they call about something else. Well, this is the number of the property manager. Yeah, if you really want to be hands off, and that goes the same thing for for if you're living there. If you want a lifestyle where you can lock the door disappear to Europe for three months. It's pretty hard to beat a condo. They're very secure. They often have living supers. You have that sense of ownership within the building that you feel your unit's going to be safe. Yep. So there are some some pluses with that as well. Um, as a landlord, you know, it, it's a pretty simple solution. You just, you're not going to make the margins that you will in something else, but you have a yeah. built-in property manager. You will free. get surprisingly higher rents too. Like a two-bedroom condo may, well, will rent for more than a two-bedroom apartment for the simple fact that in a house, they are not going to have a pool. They're not going to have underground parking. Yeah. They're not going to have the security level. They might not have the location. And location, yeah. They're, they're, there's all these things that are intangibles that a condo, like a two-bedroom condo is going to rent for 2200 A two-bedroom apartment in a house 15 minutes outside is not going to get that, like even if it's bigger and nicer and all those things. Uh, so there, there's also that aspect that you will get higher-end rents. And oftentimes, I'd say you're going to get quality tenants that need to live in that location for work or for school. Yeah. I think now, hopefully that gives people a really good understanding of what, condo ownership is about the pros and the cons you, you seem like yeah one more point before i was gonna ask you co-ops oh co-ops all right well co-ops are kind of a disappearing thing here um what is a co-op well a co-op is in in some respects i think it's almost like a, a precursor to to condos uh where effectively you would buy into a co-op and would actually like co-own the building which is a little bit different than the condo share structure um one of the challenges with them is because you don't necessarily own a share you know and you don't own a whole complete thing Mm -hmm. they're very very difficult to finance to the point that you can't finance them at all so you're often paying cash or a line of credit and you know that keeps their prices down significantly and they tend to be communities who like things the way they are because you'd think <laughs> they would turn into a condo corp and all of a sudden see their values go from $200,000 to $400,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would they not want to do that? They like it how they are. They, you know, they, they like the system that have set up, but they're, they're sort of going by the wayside. I think there's only like three co-ops left in town. Yeah. I, I don't come across them very often, but it's, it's dramatic, the difference in pricing. And that's simply, I would say due to financing, yeah. it's a number one thing, the rules and all the other stuff, I don't think really has that impact. It purely just shows how much impact financing has on everything. And that, that's everything. It's like vehicles, vehicle prices went through the roof when financing became an option. Um, but yeah, the, the no financing means that you could buy the same co-op, I would say for probably half of what the condo would cost. Oh, or, or less, or less, or yeah. less, exactly. Um, and they skew a bit older as a result because they're people who downsize. They sell their home. They pay cash. They're not going to young people who are like, yeah, you know, I got two hundred grand cash. Uh, I'll buy this co-op. Exactly. I um, find they tend to be ill-maintained. That might be a Halifax thing, but I find they're just kind of like 
not ill-maintained, but they're just like outdated and like there's no incentivization. I think, I think a lot of that is because their populations skew older. They yeah. were purchased differently. They keep their fees very, very low. Yeah. Um, they often, you know, the, the units I've seen don't have in-unit laundry. They have, no. in some cases, like coin-operated laundry. Um, it, it's a different, different, it's a different thing. And every night again, someone gets so excited and they send me one. They're like, check this out. 168 grand seems Downtown. too good to be true. Let's go. It's like, yeah, you, if you can write a check for 168 grand and don't mind being the youngest person in the building, it's not bad. But you can't rent those out either. They I will was, not let you rent those out. In, in almost every case, you cannot rent those I was gonna out. I say, there's, there's not even a rental aspect that would make it exciting. Can you do long terms, you find, or no? No. no yeah, so they're, they're really not new. Not the one, uh, the one that I deal with most commonly, which is over in downtown Dartmouth, you cannot rent them. I was going to say, the, the one thing I do see kind of some merit for some people is I've seen like uh, parents who have students coming here. And they're like, all right, like right, I'll just fork the cash, put it there. My student can live in there, and then I'll just yeah. sell it. And I think you might be able to have a family member in there, but you can't rent to another person. Yeah, and I know yeah. there was another building where they would approve your tenant, which is not dissimilar to a Conocorp, because if your tenant acts the fool, your Conocorp can kick them out. doesn't matter what the lease says. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about, and we're just going to scratch the surface about this, because this is going to go on our uh, Patreon. Patreon account, um, is once people understand that a condo is not specifically one thing, and it's not owning an apartment or owning a unit it is owning a share of uh in a corporation that owns something that's why and i I think i mentioned it it, you know there are marina condos in a lot of uh waterfront communities where you know same as not being able to own a house on spring garden road or on central park you cannot typically own a marina if you do not have a certain level of income but what you can buy is there are these condo corps that own marinas and by being a condo corp owner, you can own a parking spot at the marina, effectively. Yep. You can have exclusive right to a parking spot. So a condo corp can effectively be set up to own virtually any sort of um, shared real estate uh, asset. So in- increasingly, these are being used to um, split buildings, right? So you can have commercial spaces in a building where, all right, this ground floor is actually going to be a series of condos. And the businesses can own effectively a little kiosk or, or something more substantial yep. and own a condo share of that commercial space. Or we were talking about off air, multiple levels of a building could be set up differently. Yep. Um, and one that we're seeing really commonly right now is bare land condo. So because of environment regulations, you need a certain size piece of land to put a well and septic. And we talked about that one a little bit in our episode about uh, developing land. However, you set up a condo community, you remove that restriction of how much land you need for that septic field. So rather than, you know, oh, I might be able to get four houses in here because I need enough space for four septic fields. Well, if I develop a condo corp and they can all share the four septics, maybe I can actually pop 12 houses on there. And they can share the costs associated with running them, maintaining them and doing it. Additionally, it means you might not have to subdivide the land. So sometimes you see a lot that only has 100 100 feet of frontage based on the rules, you can only put two or three houses there. Exactly. Now you don't have to subdivide it. You can utilize the full length and the depth of the lot. It allows you to do a lot more with that. Um, so there, there's a lot of opportunities with those. And again, some people don't like because you don't own the land, but it could provide a great opportunity to get into a home um, and be able to enjoy a beautiful house and, and eventually make the step forward because they still maintain value and it can cover a lot of your things like your maintenance and your overall enjoyment yeah and from developer standpoint once you're doing a condo corp that way like you said you don't have to pay for the subdivision of land you're not Mm -hmm. restricted by the size you can somehow save on the um you know your 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 water and septic you also can put it all on a private road and the difference between a private road and a municipal quality road is likely i don't know five hundred dollars a linear foot yeah i was gonna say it's probably about 750 linear foot for for municipal style and it's up like 900 now for I, one foot I'm, of road. That was one year ago. So based on current inflation standards, yeah, yeah. it should be about 900. Um, additionally, the other thing becomes the options for financing. So we'll talk about this again, but there's some really neat options for financing. And it's not totally. just for bare land stuff. It's not for building one or two houses. It can be used on apartment buildings as well. And so you'll find out some of the larger apartment buildings, they, they frequently use this to allow them to finance out portions of their buildings. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, and a lot of buildings are getting converted to it. And mm-hmm. there's another, like I can, I can go on. There's so many other neat ones like downtown here. Um, there's buildings that are being bought with parking lots next to them. And based on the current stuff, they can't do anything, but then they kind of minimize that parking lot in the building. And now that parking lot is actually available for development. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. So there's some yeah. really neat structures and we've, we've looked into them. So we're going to talk about them a little bit more in depth. 
Um, and we had some other ideas that we chatted about on the way here, just kind of what you can do. And it really opens up the gate to some new development. And I think when prices start to increase, these are the creative things that you need to do yeah. to be able to make money, get in um, and or find under, underutilized stuff and actually make it make it actually work, like make it financially viable for somebody. And for people out there who are thinking development, um, think of, you know, a mini home park. It's a similar idea yep. where effectively these are private lands that are divided up but not actually formally subdivided individual parcels, just rentable lots. Yep. And then individuals own a unit that they put on there and they pay a common area, a common element fee. It's not that dissimilar to bare land condo with the exception that you are not renting the land. You, you do own that uh, exclusive right to that land and you own the structure on it and it can't be taken away from you. Um, but it's a similar model and look how many extra units they can do as a result. Yeah. You know, it's it's a pretty cool model. It opens up a lot of doors for people who are looking to develop. Another similarity is people who in these RV um, places where, you know, you get the RV and you park it there for the summer yeah, and that's yeah. your cottage. Yeah. And people end up having the same spot for years and years and years. They do not own that land in the traditional sense, mm-hmm. but they kind of do. And they're connected to, you know, a community system where they pay these fees. That a condo corp is the proper like ownership um ownership breakdown of that model which when you think of it the potential there is just unbelievable it's insane potential and to what you said about that people sell their leases people will sell the lease for those spaces and those spots yeah and so they're effectively That's making crazy. those like condos like they're just and although it hasn't formally been put through yeah. just by necessity and demand it became one and people will literally sell off the space their lease for that space yeah had uh, to take it yeah the last thing i'm going to say as we as we wrap it up here uh, and one thing for people to consider too, and I've been pushing this with you a lot, is ex- I think we should expect a large boom in condo development. Just think about kind of pricing, where things are going, looking at what you think your appraisals would come back for for rental units, where rents are at, again, and then prices of homes and prices of condos. Start thinking about that a little bit, and you'll kind of get maybe get an idea. And we're going to dive into it really deeply on the Patreon, but why I think condo development is going to really start to boom looking at historical charts of why it's boomed in other places and why yeah. I think we're now primed for that same sort of growth here. Well, you and I going through the development process, we've been looking at, all right, we're going to build a one bedroom plus den or a two bedroom unit. And we're being told it's going to cost $350,000 to build it. And when it's done, it's going to be worth $350,000 based on the rent. Well, what is a two bedroom condo worth? Exactly. Right? So this is what we're going to unpack on, on the Patreon. Um, I think that's everything for today. Yeah. I, don't, I can't believe we did all this time and never really dove into condos. I hope people now think of condos a little bit differently. Um, I think there is an option as an investment now. Oh, totally. There's an option Just, as an investment and, and lifestyle, man. It's all about lifestyle. If you're about location, increasingly, it's going to be condo. That's why in bigger cities, people have been in condos for decades. We need to do a condo return badly because here's another thing I want to go over is... As an investment, just think, it's price per square foot in condos. It's easy to compare. New ones are going for $700 to $1,000 a square foot. Old ones are still $300 a square foot. There's a giant lift there if you make it look really nice and new. You might not have the amenities, and you're not going to get $700 a square foot on resale. But but there's something there. There's something sure. there. There's, there's a squeeze. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for listening. Awesome. All right, check us out. Follow along. Press some comments, man. We're getting so many comments now. It's wicked. So keep the yeah. comments coming. Love keep and support. Questions. Things, yeah. are, things are growing. It's awesome. Thanks, Later. guys. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.